that's our our learning opportunity and um and that's that's the space where we can operate to work with uncertainty technology is transforming how we think how we lead and how we win from intervision this is status go the show helping it leaders move beyond the status quo master their craft and propel their it vision Business is filled with peaks and valleys. For most of us, the year 2020 has been a deep, deep valley. The year has been filled with challenges. The year has been filled with uncertainty. The future is uncertain, but it feels like the future ahead of us is even more uncertain than ever. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, and today on Status Go, we are going to explore that uncertainty. Who better to help guide us than someone who takes leaders into the face of that uncertainty intentionally? Matt Walker is a professional mountain climber who has scaled the largest peaks on earth and now uses that experience to help leaders overcome challenges in their professional and personal life by adventuring in the world's most difficult environments. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be with you. I'm really excited about our conversation today, Matt. I can honestly say you are the first mountain climber we've ever had on this show, <laughs> at least as far as we know, unless someone didn't fess up to that uh, while we were talking to him. But I, I just can't wait to dig in. Right on. So let, let's start with your background. How did you get into mountain climbing and adventuring in the first place? Yeah, so I actually, for me, it actually started in high school. I grew up in New Jersey, didn't grow up in a family that was oriented towards camping or mountain climbing or outdoors. Um, but when I was in high school, I had an opportunity to take an Outward Bound course and um, took to it, really enjoyed being out. Um, and it was the first time I think I really faced adversity head on and the uh, the mental challenge of of questioning, even just becoming aware of like where is where is my personal line? Where is it that I can um, push further than I think I'm, I'm capable? And I uh, so I did that course, and then um, from there decided I really wanted to take it on uh, you know as, as deeply as I could, and so I went to university in uh, Washington State, and then uh, dove headfirst into mountain climbing and made it my, my career. Along the way, I um, realized that what I really wanted to do was connect the dots between personal and professional leadership and uh, the outdoor experience. So went and got a master's degree in uh, behavioral science, and now that's the work I do, connect the two, those two fields together. So that's an interesting connection. When did you start thinking that what you wanted to do with that passion was use those gifts in leadership development? I mean, I have to say it was really early on. And I think that was because of the mentors that I was, I was surrounded with um, that were framing these experiences uh, in, in a way that was larger than just um you know, getting from point A to point B from, from the trailhead to the summit and back. When I was initially exposed to mountain climbing, I think it was the first time I really felt um, this deep human connection to others in terms of camaraderie and team 
teamwork and the a, a true interchange of of dependence on each other and and showing up larger and fuller uh, in order to um, in order to, to take care of each other and to reach reach larger goals. So uh, for me, it started pretty early on because you're you're in those environments. You you are your life is in the hands of your teammates, right? I mean, pretty much in some of those circumstances. That's right. And vice versa, right? So it's like you're, you're depending on them and then you have to show up fully too. And so what it really, what I found that it, the demands right off the bat is transparency and communication, Uh, really clear communication as to what is happening in the moment. You know, that's, that's from a technical perspective. That that means that it's it is literally life and death from a technical perspective, but also in terms of your own uh, self awareness. You know how how are you feeling? How what's your health like? What's your energy like? What are you capable of making uh, of doing this climb? Are you fit enough? Um, so you, you know, being able to have that high level of self awareness. So it was a combination of those those attributes that then connects you deeper. Um, in terms of your relationship with, with people than I had ever experienced elsewhere. And what I found is that that actually really set me up for uh, deeper relationships um, in my own business and uh, in, in terms of partnership and uh, choosing teams to, to be part of and um, in collaborations. So when did you, when did you start the, leadership development part of your business uh, and, and let me rephrase that because I, I assume that you were doing uh, mountain climbing uh, before you started the leadership development per se so when when did you make that pivot and start doing uh, the adventuring and the mountain climbing for leadership development. Yeah, so I started uh, right out right as I finished college. I, I went into mountain guiding uh, as a full time career and focused on guiding the seven summits, the highest point on each continent. Um, and in doing so, I really focused just on the technical aspects and then my own personal leadership and how to how to lead teams in that environment. Uh, and how to support um, individuals on those teams, to, to, you know, not only to their own success, but then to also uh, being solid team members. So I did that for about 10 years or so full time. Um, I like to say at that point, I was either living in a van, uh, <laughs> living, in a, uh, living on the floor of a friend's house or out of duffel bags in some random country around the world. So uh, mm-hmm. It was pretty transient work, uh, but it was great, and, I, and I, I really enjoyed it. And at the same time, what I noticed was there was a gap between taking the lessons learned from these experiences and applying them to uh, a personal and professional space. And so that's when I, about 10 years into it, I decided to take a couple years off and focus on um, a more formal education and then and then work to apply it. So all told, I've said I would, I've been formally teaching this uh, material as a leadership tool for about 12 years or so. And so during that time, I I know you work with, with leaders, uh, CEOs, individual contributors from a wide variety of industry and professions, including information technology and tech, uh, the tech sector. Right. What are some of the common threads that you see in 
these groups of leaders as you work with them to venture into uncertainty and the unknown? Yeah, I'd say, you know, some of the, the largest common thread, if I can speak specifically about, uh, in the tech industry, I'll, I'll go, I'll go there first. Uh, whether it's from uh, a leadership perspective or on the engineering side, um, the, the, the largest, uh, the, the most frequent common thread is our attempts to control the uncontrollable, to put systems into place um, that try to corral and keep information um, and, um, and our actions um, as, uh, as, as specific and repeatable as, as possible. And the friction there, uh, you know, just as we look at a year like this, is that um, the friction occurs when we, when we attempt to have systems in place that are no longer applicable to, um, to the environment that we're functioning in. And that comes twofold. One, in our projects and workload and how we, how we approach those. And then also how we approach the teams um, that we operate with um, and as individuals. So the, the human aspect and the technical side get thrown off when we try to hold too rigid a space. And that is a theme that I've seen repeated frequently um, in the tech sector, both uh, from a a business and operations perspective and from a a technical um, application. So I'm, I'm curious as, as someone who guides these teams on these adventures, uh, I assume you're running into all sorts of skill levels have you gotten into a situation with a group that was kind of like, oh, crap, uh, we're now a little bit out of control and it, it's testing even you and your skills? So I try to, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say no to the testing of my skills because that would put me in a place where I was kind of lost, lost control of the situation. Uh, and then I've, I've lost the learning opportunity, but the perception of, of challenge and the perception of loss of control is frequently there by the participants. Uh, and that is, is where the real learning takes place. So, um, oftentimes what, what I will do, uh, is set up scenarios or set up adventure experiences that will push the individuals and the teams to a breaking point, um, but it's done in a way where we are just moving over the line where we can still maintain a learning environment. And we're not pushing yeah. so far that we we move out of that. You know, So we, if you think of concentric circles, we, we've got a zone in the middle, which is kind of our safe, comfort, known entity. And then the next yeah. circle out from that is where, uh, you know, learning takes place, where we're pushed out of our comfort zone into some, a space where there's learning. And the next circle out of that is, is overwhelm. And so if we, you know, need, you got to try and keep that needle somewhere right in the line there in that learning area. Um, and I think if anything, 2020 has, has really shown us what happens uh, to us as individuals and organizations when we spend too much time in that third ring of uncertainty and overwhelm. Um, and when we hit that third ring, there is no learning taking place. And the only way to, to move through that is to go back to the center point of comfort. So, um, 
you know, I think what we're finding this year in particular is that that middle ring of learning is pretty narrow and, and we are, we're kind of hair triggered into overwhelm really quickly, which is, yeah. if we pause for a moment, that's really our, that's, that's our, our learning opportunity. And, um, and that's, that's the space where we can operate to work with uncertainty. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a, a, a time several years ago that I took, uh, I was not the guide by any stretch. I was one of the adults on the trip with a group of high school kids, and we took them uh, on a, a whitewater trip up in Canada, uh, very remote, um, and uh, we divided into three groups. And it was, uh, we got kind of worried in the middle group because we lost contact with the group that was behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, come to find out the leader of that group, the guide, one of the professional guides, had decided that to go on that trip was going to exceed the limits that that group of kids could do. So they just did day trips from an island um, and they didn't have any really way of letting our guides know uh, until the very end. But it's, it goes with what you were saying is you don't you don't want to take the group too far. You want them to have an experience and learn, uh, but you're not going to put uh, people's health and safety at risk. That's right. I, 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 you know, I like what that story brings forward for me is this is the missing component there of communication and mm-hmm. how I'm sure anxiety provoking that was for both set oh, guides yes. to not, and for the yeah. participants to not know what's happening with the other party. Um, yeah. And you know, I think back on some of the, the organizations that I worked with, I'm going to just leave their, leave them nameless at the moment, but organizations that I worked with this spring, um, sub- substantial tech organizations that, made the specific decision to operate with high level of transparency in terms of how they were going to handle um, work from home, how they were going to handle um, their office space and their uh, their real estate, their offices, um, how they were going to handle hiring moving forward, um, you know, some pay structure changes, but doing everything so in, so over the top transparently that what that did was that that gave everybody information and knowledge that uh, allowed them to ease into and feel more comfortable in the uncertainty, having held that information instead of withholding. Yeah. And, uh, and those organizations are thriving right now as a result of that, as, as opposed to trying to uh, muscle their way through it and, and kind of keep the original structure. So yeah. that communication is so important, that communication with transparency. And, and you know, the, the ex- explanation, the, I mean, the story that you just told, there may have been technical issues that kept them from communicating. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think it, 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 it brings up the question for us, you know, as in terms of a learning opportunity is what could have been done differently to, yeah. to ease that anxiety. Cause I can only imagine how stressful that was. <laughs> uh, it was pretty stressful. Yeah. My uh, I was the adult leader and my son was in that group that was, was behind us. Oh, that's even worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I was a pretty nervous dad for, uh, for several days sure. as, as we finished that. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was a learning experience. That's, that's for sure. So one of the things that I know you talk a lot about, uh, Matt, in the conversations that you and I have had, 
uh, is the, the concept or the importance of self-care. And you touched on that a little bit when you were talking about the beginnings of your career and knowing and understanding your limits and, and that. But it, it's something that we as leaders tend not to spend much time on. We're most of the time we're more focused on our teams. You know, the concept of servant leadership is that it's all about our teams and all that. So let's start with what's your definition of self-care? Yeah, thank you for about the interesting with the idea of the, the, the definition of self-care. I want to start by describing what self-care is not, because I think it's easy to to hear the word self-care and to think, you know, like a massage and a spa and a hot tub and kind of like the pampering <laughs> the side of self-care. Like that's, that's the, that's the trope of self-care. Um, hey, I saw Iger sanction. I know how it really is on those mountains. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me, self-care starts, um, <laughs> it's, I, I've just, I just hit on this self-care for me starts in the mountains and, you know, at the, I use this phrase frequently is that um, lunch ends when, I mean, sorry, lunch begins when breakfast ends and lunch and lunch ends when dinner begins. So hmm. lunch begins when breakfast ends and lunch ends when dinner begins. And what I mean by that is that you are responsible th throughout the entirety of the day to take care of your own nutrition and, and, and self. So yeah. your blood yeah. sugar, your hydration, you know, your, your temperature, going to the bathroom, all those things, that is your responsible responsibility for the entirety of the day. So if I take that same methodology and apply it to the leadership space, we have to, you have to know yourself and recognize how taking care of yourself impacts the team. So it's the same idea as like, you, you know, you put your, your mask on first before helping others. If we don't mm -hmm. have awareness of how we are being impacted by our, by stressors, anxiety, and uncertainty, then our leadership is, is, you know, is, is impacted by that and turns is, you know, becomes pretty poor. So yeah. When I talk about self-care, what I start with is really just an awareness of what happens to us physically and what happens to us emotionally when we are redlined and hit overwhelm, um, and how does that impact our team? So if we can, if you know, talking about those concentric circles again, if we can maintain mm -hmm. that core sense of self and be able to make adjustments so that we don't reach overwhelm, we are then able to move into um, you know that traditional model of, of servant leadership. But if we can't even contain our own space and our own sense of self, then our ability to lead others um, is out the window. So um, for me, self-care is, is really boils down to literally like knowing thyself, like knowing the, your ability to what happens internally and physically in your own body. So it really is like movement and exercise and eating well and sleeping well Um and taking care of ourselves in those basic ways, but it's also um, having the awareness of like of what our personal values are and how those show up as actions in the world. And so yeah. that awareness of what what actions we're taking and why is a form of self care that then translates to how we show up as leaders. So if we have an awareness of that, we can then actually lead with much more efficacy and. Uh, and much more um, 
a higher level of, of respect and responsibility towards our teams. What are some of the signs that I, I might be seeing in myself if I've, if I've crossed into that next concentric circle and I'm getting into a, a danger zone with myself personally? What are, what are some of the things that I might be seeing, feeling yeah. within myself? So I'd say that the two big things that are on opposite sides of the spectrum um, are um, a quick fuse. So quick to anger, quick to frustration, uh, you know, high uh, increased uh, blood pressure, that kind of feeling of like of overwhelm and anxiety. Um, and then the, the opposite of that, which, which can occur at the same time is indecision. So if you're sitting on decisions and you're not sure how to make them or what, what's the best course of action is, that's a significant, um, marker of, of being out of alignment. So if you're, if you have, if you're taking care of yourself physically and you have your, the mental and emotional capacity to, to be grounded, to know that your values and your actions are in alignment, then decision-making actually is, is very straightforward. Things will fall into place very with, with, with considerable clarity. Um, your yeses are yeses and your noes are noes. And when you're in the middle ground, you're not sure what to do and you're feeling pushed or pulled. Uh, it's because that, that mental compass, uh, is, is out of, out of alignment. And, um, and then we end up, feeling stuck. So it's a combination of either feeling that like high level of indecisiveness or, and, or, um, uh, quick to anger, quick to frustration and, yeah. and over feeling of overwhelm. So as you work with leaders, especially this year with all of the chaos, uh, that has been around us this year, what are some things that you recommend to them that they should be doing in terms of self-care? What are some of the things uh, that they should be doing? Well, one of the, one of the best things that we could do for ourselves is actually not to start our work first in the morning. So whenever, whatever time we actually clock in and start working, it's not to dig into our work. The very best thing that we can do for ourselves would be to literally, um, use what, whatever tools we have in terms, whether it's a journal, whether it's a paper calendar, a notepad, whatever it is, but something that just that we, where we can kind of brain dump and get the release, the noise and the chatter that's in our, our brain and, and get down onto paper. What is the most, what are the most important things that need to be accomplished for that day and why? So it's literally just the smallest step of taking five minutes, taking seven minutes to breathe, um, to take full breaths, to sit in, in some calm and, um, and catalog how is it that you're going to spend your day today as opposed to the as opposed to the opposite of that which is just opening opening your email driving your phone and just starting to be in a responsive um reactive place instead it's the the very best thing we can do is, is starting our day with planning and then ending our day with reflection um, if, we, if we gave ourselves literally seven to ten minutes in the morning and seven to ten minutes in the evening of, of those two activities there are planning and then reflection, our entire workload and way of being, which would shift dramatically. And it's, it's amazing what can, you know, if you did this for 10 days for 20 minutes total per day, the, your, your workload and way of being would dramatically shift. Um, instead we were so easily triggered to be responsive that, um, 
that it really impacts uh, our ability to show up. We we need that uh, we need that time to to pause and reflect, and that that's kind of been one of my one of my key words for 2020. Actually, uh, a dear friend of mine uh, sent me a, a note early on in the year about taking time to pause and. Uh, man, that has been kind of my my mantra for the year is when I'm starting to feel uh, um, maybe quick to anger because I didn't push record on a video as I was talking about <laughs> off the air a little bit right, ago. Right. Uh, is push that pause and to and to stop and reflect. Right. That that is so important. Um, and and I appreciate that that you bring that to your work as well. And you and you work with leaders. Five minutes isn't that much. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night is not that much to ask to, to take that time out. It's really not. And what I find is um, in, in my work, you know, so so the goal of my work is to take people outside of their everyday experience and just hold a mirror of reflection. So to, to put them in a space where they can experience um, challenge that's not directly tied to their workload and they can, and they hold a mirror to see how it is that they respond to that experience. What are their habituated responses? So like what's their habituated way of being? And then what's a new way of being? What's a way that they can correct that to show up a little bit differently. And this exercise, which has been done for millennia, I mean, this is nothing new or revolutionary at all. What we're really just asking is to take few moments to breathe and then to put pen to paper and do some reflection uh, and some planning. It sounds insanely elementary and yet very few of us do it. And, and I, even as a practitioner of leadership, I, I'm challenged to do it consistently as well. Like I have to make it a literally a practice that I, um, you know, that I, I hold myself accountable to, to doing and I slip and, and, and have big gaps of time when I don't do it as well. But, you know, we're talking about I, what I would do is I, I would really encourage your your listeners to just attempt it for a week, five days, three yeah. days, something very, very simple and see what happens to uh, internally. See what happens to that sense of overwhelm when they're um, not in a reactive space. See what happens in their bodies. See what happens to their, their shift in, yeah. in workload by by carving out 20 minutes, 10 in the front and 10 in the back of the day. Well, and I imagine, Matt, that that you can tell in yourself when you when you do slip and not do it for some period of time. Oh, absolutely! You can feel the difference in in yourself. Absolutely, it completely sh shifts the. You know, the people that that you that would answer that question with even more clarity would be my children, um, <laughs> <laughs> because they see you know they they see the direct results of that when I um, when I do when I do have that practice where I am grounded in the morning and then have closure in the end of the day, the, my way of being and my approach to parenting um, is significantly different. Um, yeah. You know, and so that, that, that bleeds out into how we show up with our significant others, um, with our partners, with, um, with those that we work with and, and our teams is literally um, I know it, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but it is insanely elementary and, incredibly impactful to take seven to 10 minutes in the morning and seven to 10 in the afternoon. If I could leave an indelible mark in the world and just have that as my, 
is my repeated is mantra. Take away. Yeah, yeah, that would be it. If I, could just, yeah. if I could move through the world and just touch people by saying, you know, do this, do this one yeah, exercise. Take, take yeah. You don't need yeah. to read any of these other leadership books. You don't need to do any of these other planning tools. Just this exercise. Um, it, and it really does have that significant impact. And we are in a tumultuous time. Like our news yeah. feed and um, experience in the world politically is in, in turmoil. Um, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty uh, with world health mm-hmm. and uh, and the markets. And so having that ability to just to, to be able to ground and then react and then, you know, take action from a place of, um, of alignment. Wow. Everyone is going to notice the difference, including you, yeah. including you. So, so you, you, that's probably the answer to this next question that I, that I wanted to ask because you, you use that word again of uncertainty and we are, we are definitely in uncertain times. And as, uh, as, as we're recording this, it's, uh, nearing the start of Q4. So a lot of people are starting to make plans for 2021, which is even more uncertain. So when you work with leaders to be the best leaders that they can be, what can you teach them? What, what can a leader do to help his or her organization to better manage that uncertainty as we go into 2021? Yeah, I think there's two. I'm going to answer with two, with two things. One is, um, are your values and actions in alignment? And so this comes from two different perspectives. Are the actions you're taking as a leader, as an individual, as a human in alignment with your values? Mm-hmm. If they're not, what can you do to change that? So, you know, oftentimes this comes in a way of just looking at your calendar. Like, am I saying yes to things that are in alignment with my values? And if, and so if things need to shift, then they need to shift. And then from an organizational perspective, as you're looking, you know, at the end of Q4, moving into Q1, um, as a as an organization, as a team, are we acting and making decisions that are in accordance, in alignment with the values of the organization? So as things pop up and we have to make decisions, it should be really easy to make those decisions as a yes or no based on that uh, that formula. So. Mm-hmm. Both as a leader, as an individual, are your values and actions in alignment? And two, you know, as a team and as, as an organization. And if we have clarity in those places, then our, our choices and our mode of operating fall into place really smoothly. The second com- part of your question was around managing uncertainty. And I think the very best thing we can do is just acknowledge that we are con- constantly and always have been in a place of uncertainty. It's just yeah. way exaggerated right now and on a much faster timeline. So when the values and the actions pieces, both as an individual and as a team and as an org are in alignment, the uncertainty component actually doesn't really matter anymore. We can, we can ignore that. It's when we're out of alignment with our values and actions that we then fixate on the uncertainty because we need something to externalize to be able to make mm-hmm. sense or blame. And so we go to uncertainty for that. We blame the, the markets. We blame the um, we, we blame politics. We blame uh, the you know the COVID situation. We have all these other reasons, other things we can place blame on as a result of our values and actions not in alignment. But when those things are in alignment as an individual and as a team, then we actually really no longer 
while the uncertainty is there, we no longer focus on it. We just don't need to because things are flowing in place as they should. Well, it kind of goes back to the the story you told at the beginning of the the tech leader who decided or, or the leadership organ, part of the organization decided to be uh, overly communicative and, and fully transparent uh, because that probably aligned with their values. Um, mm-hmm. And that has been one of the measures of that organization dealing with this uncertainty. So that's a that's a that's a great wraparound back to the beginning. Um, here on Status Go, uh, we are all about action, uh, and I know Matt, you more than most can appreciate action. Uh, we want to leave our listeners with an explicit call to action. So what are one or two things our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to us today? I'm going to leave with two things. One is passive and one is active. So the passive thing would be for the next three days, carve out 10 minutes in the morning, 10 in the evening to breathe and to open the day, um, not get digital, Keep put pen to paper, release the things that are in your brain, kind of put them on paper and, uh, and make sure that the actions you're going to take that day are in alignment with your values. And then conclude the day with the same thing, with some journaling, some reflection. What, what were you successful at? What do you need to attend to tomorrow? So that would be, that's the passive one. The active one is, uh, is to email me. So matt at mattwalkeradventure.com. And the, you know, Jeff, you can throw the link in the show notes. Absolutely. And email me and I will reply back with a 10-day challenge that will go deeper into defining one specific area of your life uh, as, as a leader um, that we're going to, that you will step, that, you will, that you'll, you'll challenge yourself to be held accountable to. And so I've got a, a spreadsheet that I'll send back that has an accountability chart attached to it. And since I I don't personally know any of the people who are going to be emailing me. To me, that's just a, a name behind an email. It allows mm-hmm. us to be able to have a deeper level of accountability and, and go a little bit deeper and, and more uh, sincere in the topic. And so it's a 10-day challenge um, to, to deeply align your values and your actions. So those are the two components that I would, I would ask your, your listeners to consider, um, either the reflective piece and the planning aspect or to, to dive into the 10-day challenge to, uh, in connecting values and actions. That that is a Those are both great actions. And uh, don't be surprised when you get an email from me, man. I may take you up on that 10-day challenge. That sounds, that sounds fascinating. So, uh, Matt, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to be on the show. Uh, I know 2020 has been chaotic for your business. It's been chaotic uh, for your family, like for many, many folks around the country. And I really appreciate you carving out the time to chat. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it and um, look forward to hearing about your 10-day challenge. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll up the ante and, and join you on it. We'll do it together. Hey, there you go. There you go. That sounds great. Uh, to our listeners out there, I want you to accept the challenge. Uh, and uh, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com 
the show notes will provide links and contact information and we'll be sure we'll have uh, Matt's email address in there so that you can accept the 10 day challenge. You've been listening to the this status go podcast. For Matt you can subscribe on Thank iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening until next time.